Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. Well, today we are beginning a new series on the life and faith of the Old Testament prophet Elisha, and I'm so excited to introduce him to you. Uh, Maybe you have found that your faith is hitting a plateau, and I hope that you'll allow the teaching of God's Word to build your faith in this time. I believe the next four weeks of this series could be a defining moment in your relationship with God. Let me give you a little bit of context. There was a prophet by the name of Elijah. Elijah was one of the great prophets of the Old Testament. Bold, daring, full of faith, defeated the prophets of Baal, Mount Carmel, called down fire from heaven, turned on and off the water supply, controlling a drought, raised a child from the dead. And then God called Elijah to ask Elisha to be his replacement. That's the encounter we're going to look at today. And Elisha was bold enough to then ask for a double portion of Elijah's anointing. Elisha actually performed more recorded miracles in scripture than anyone with the exception of Jesus Christ. And what's interesting about this guy is he was ordinary. He, he wasn't the son of a priest. He wasn't like some sort of outward spiritual giant. He was an ordinary guy who was living at home with his parents, working on a farm when God called him. He lived during the 9th century BC in a time when Israel was divided and there was a lot of tension. Many people were worshiping the false god of Baal and God raised up this ordinary guy and did something absolutely extraordinary through his life. 1 Kings chapter 9, verses 19 through 21. Those are the verses we're going to study today. They're on your outline that you could find on the Rockbrook app, or you could print off one if you want to take notes that way. I included at the end of your outline a Bible reading plan. I'll have this for you each week of this series, a daily Bible reading plan. And day one of this plan is the verses we're going to look at today. Uh, so let's read uh, those through once, and then we'll, we'll get to it, uh, go back up to it, walk through verse by verse. But it starts out saying, So Elijah w- went from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th, pla- the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? In other words, think about the gravity of of what's happening here. So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his 
servant. That's our whole passage for today. Uh, Let's go back up to verse 19 where it says, Elisha was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Imagine the monotony of what it would be like. Let's just put ourselves in Elisha's shoes for a moment and imagine what it would be like to plow behind a yoke of oxen every single day day. Think about this. What, what, do you, what do you smell? You smell oxen residue. Uh, what do you see? It, what is your scenery every day if you're behind a plow? You're walking behind oxen. What is your scenery? Oxen rears. In, in case you're having some tough time visualizing this, I gave you a picture to help imagine what this is like day in and day out. This is your scenery. And now some of you, you may feel exactly like this. You may feel like Elisha. You're not looking at oxen rears, but you're doing the same thing day in and day out. And it really gets monotonous. You're going to the same job. uh, You're working with the same people. And you're like, I, I feel like I'm staring at oxen rears. Now, don't call your coworkers oxen rears. That's not what I'm saying, but that's what, that's what you feel. Maybe you're, a ho- you're at home a lot right now, and it's feeling very monotonous and draining. And those of you that are parents, what do you see all day long? Diapers, laundry, and dishes, and diapers, and laundry, and dishes. And you start to think it's... It's incredibly easy to lose my passion when all I'm seeing every day is oxen rears. And this is where Elisha was. But I want you to notice that he was being faithful in this task. That I believe that God loves to reward those who are faithful. They're faithful with oxen rears. They are faithful in the little things, the mundane things. That when you're faithful with little It means that God can trust you with much. That is a big theme of Scripture. And Elisha, even though it might have not been his favorite thing to do, and even though it could have been incredibly draining, he was faithful. And in the middle of his faithfulness, in the middle of this daily routine, God sent something new to take him from where he was into a moving place of faith and impact. Today's message is titled, Faith That Moves. Faith That Moves. In verse 19, it says, Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Now, what in the world does that mean? Well, his cloak would have been uh, kind of like a coat made of animal skin or fur. This was his covering. And what Elijah did was he took his covering and he put it on Elisha, symbolically saying, that which covered me is now covering you. The, the mantle that was on me is now on, on you. What God has been doing through me, how God has been working through me, is now how God is going to work through you. And he, he put his covering, his mantle, on over Elisha. Now let's apply this to our life. And let's, let's talk about two principles of faith that is moving and growing in our life. And I believe that if you find faith to be very difficult right now, very hard right now, that this week could be the start of of breaking out of that plateau or breaking through 
this moment where it may seem like it's very difficult because I want to look at how the ordinary man responds to God's call. And God is going to call Elisha to follow Elijah and Elisha is not going to know all of the details. In fact, if you're taking notes, that's number one is first principle of this faith that moves is you don't have to understand fully to obey immediately. When God calls you to do something, you don't have to understand all the details to obey immediately. You don't have to understand fully to obey immediately. Here's what happens. Elijah puts the cloak around him. Then in verse 20, what did Elisha do? Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elisha. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Notice this. He did not pray about it. He did not have to do a list of pros and cons. He did not have to consult his counselor, his mentor, anyone. All he did was say, God, I believe you're in this, and I don't know all the details, but since you are in this, and because I believe in you, I'm going to obey immediately. You don't have to understand fully to obey immediately. Now, you know one of our mottos at Rockbrook is pray first. In fact, I'm wearing a wristband that says pray first. Before uh, I, I came down to preach this sermon, I prayed. Before I drove out of the driveway today, I prayed. And I just, I want to pray first. But sometimes you don't need to pray about it. Sometimes you don't pray, you just obey. You don't have to pray about it and question God when he's already given his full answer. And over the years, I've had people tell me they were going to pray about the most bizarre things that God had already made very clear in our conscience, in his word. They were things that, man, it was just time for us to surrender and obey, not not have to pray about it. I, I had one person tell me once that they wanted to pray about whether or not there was a God before they made their decision to pray to believe in God. I try and figure that one out. But what, what's happening there is we're trying to understand fully before we obey fully, before we'll make a move. But here's actually the way God will lead you. God is often strategically vague in his directions about your future. That we want all the details and God would often look at us and say, you can't handle the details. If I showed you all of this so you could understand fully, you wouldn't even make the first move. You wouldn't show up. So I'm just going to show you the next step. And God will often guide us even by one word, maybe even one word at a time. I love the power of this. Just one word is sometimes all God will give. And that needs to be enough to go on. In the Old Testament, whenever God was giving Moses direction, you could summarize the directions in one word. He would say, Moses, go. Abraham, go. Go to the land that I will show you. Peter, in the New Testament, uh, Jesus was walking on water. Peter said, Jesus, if that's you, tell me to come. And Jesus gives him one word, come. I don't know all the details, but you follow. You can follow 
one word from God. God is a man of his word. You can follow him. And some of you, you may be hearing one word from God. I don't know what it is or what it may be. But in your marriage, maybe your marriage is struggling right now and you're thinking about cashing it in and you hear one word and that word is stay, stay. And you don't have to understand completely to obey immediately and you you stay. Some of you, you might have a health situation that does not look good or maybe it's for someone you love and God gives you one word and that word is trust. To trust him. And you hang on to that one word. And you obey him. Some of you have an idea. Some business idea or ministry idea. And you're trying to figure out all the, all the hows and all the whens. And you're trying to understand it all. When God is just giving one word to, that says start. Just start. You don't have to understand it all first or maybe you've been around the church for a while or watching our services for a while and your your faith is starting to grow and you're growing with God but you're still sitting back and observing in some ways and God may be giving you one word and that is to commit 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 to him commit to the church some of you may be praying about the future of your family and you hear the word adopt or the word foster and you're like wait what 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 age and from where domestic or international boy or a girl or I don't understand and you don't have to understand everything to take the next step you may be dating someone and God has not given you peace about the relationship and your one word may be break up That's two words, or you could hyphenate them, or whatever, but you don't have to understand everything to do what God tells you to do. And that's number one. You don't have to understand fully to obey immediately. What's the second principle of a faith that moves? A faith that starts to break out of this plateau, even when it's hard, and that is those God uses the most are the ones who hold on to the least, This is going to speak to somebody that those who God uses the most are the ones who hold on to the least. And we see this so clearly in verse 21, where it says, Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and he slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. Okay, what's happening here? These animals, uh, they brought about his livelihood. And what does the Bible say that he does with the oxen? He slaughters them. He slaughters them. He made a bonfire out of the plowing equipment and, and he cooked steak for his buddies. And then he set out to follow Elijah and he became his servant. That's a demonstration and an example of a faith that moves and grows. And you can kind of see it. You can make some connections here. I mean, killing the cows. I mean, that symbolically, whenever God did something, uh, people would make a sacrifice. Like when the prodigal son came back, uh, the father killed the, the fatted calves. And you can kind of make those connections. But he goes in another step and he burns the plowing equipment. He burns the plows. It's almost like he's saying, I'm burning plan B. That there's 
No plan B. There's only obey God, and that's it. That's enough for me. And what you're seeing in Scripture is oftentimes when people are so moved by God that they make big moves of commitment to follow him. We see this with Jesus. Whenever Jesus encountered Peter for the first time, Peter was having a bad fishing day and Jesus told Peter to throw his nets down on the other side of the boat and Peter explains, Master, uh, we were working hard all night and haven't really caught anything. But Peter goes on to say, but because you say to, because you're instructing me to, I don't understand it all, I'll do it. And he did it and he caught so many fish that the nets started breaking We see Peter falls down and says, who are you? This is amazing. I'm a sinful man. You are the Lord. And Jesus looked at him and said, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. And scripture says something that is just as crazy as as burn the plows, kill the cows. It says, so they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything and followed him. Luke 5, 11. And we can just read by that and not even really think about it, but contextualize that into your life. That they left everything. That means leave my job, leave my comfort, leave my neighborhood, leave what I thought was the plan, and they left everything to follow him. There are some of you that I believe God is going to speak to you sometime, maybe through this series, and give you a plow burning faith. And let me just say and qualify to to make sure God is speaking to you or that you're hearing from him, that you don't just go in and say, well, I'm sick of this or I'm sick of my job and walk in and say, "I, I, I hate you all and burn the building down. No, that's not what we're talking about. That's not a burn the plow faith. What we're talking about is when you know that you know that you know that God is leading you and calling you to leave where you are and go where he wants you to be. And there are some times that you are just so convinced of it that you burn the bridge back because you're not turning back. Something has happened inside of you and you're never going to be the same. You can't go back because God is calling you forward. I'll give you a couple of examples that come to my mind. Um, I know a a couple who lived in another town and they had very, very successful jobs, loved where they lived, but God was leading them to move so they could be there to serve their parents in their parents' old age. Because it was God leading them, they left it all behind. They left the jobs, they left uh, where they lived to be where God was calling them. They, They obeyed fully. I know of a family that they're really strong Christians, but in the summer something changes and they are are so in love with the lake that they disappear to the lake every opportunity. It was so severe that this guy's nine-year-old daughter one day said, Daddy, why is it that we love God all year long, but we don't love God in the summer? And when he heard that, he realized what had happened, that They didn't serve anybody in the summer. They didn't make a difference in the summer. They didn't worship in the summer. 
And in the summer, it became all about their enjoyment. What did he do? He, he sold the boat. He sold the lake house. He said, I'm not going to let something send an example to my nine-year-old that God is not important to us all year long. I know someone who was struggling again and again, addicted to, to pornography. And he was able to overcome it for a while, but then he would find a workaround. He would find a way back in, and his devices became a stumbling block for him. And he'd always find another way around the filters or everything else. He finally came to a point where he says, my faith is worth it to me. His purity was worth it to me. He says he got rid of all those devices. And now he uses a little flip phone and a desktop computer out in the open. And I admire a guy who says, I'm not going to let something keep me from being the man God wants me to be. I know a guy who week after week would come to church and drop off his kids in Rockbrook for Kids, but he knew that he was being called to serve in that ministry as well. And so he, he put it off and he put it off, and then finally he decided to sacrifice the time and to sacrifice the scheduling conflicts. And now he's a part of kids' salvations and baptisms and making a difference and and being someone who instills the things of God in them and teaching them. And he's making a mighty, eternal impact. And I could give you example after example of people who they've left everything. They quit their jobs. They moved their household to keep their marriage pure or their family intact or to simply follow God on the journey God was giving them. And they put first things first. They were willing to leave everything else for the sake of honoring God. They were willing to change something about their life to make room for God in their life. I don't know what it would be for you or where you are in this story. Maybe uh, you're looking at oxen rears and today uh, the Holy Spirit is reminding you to be faithful and consistent even in the mundane things of life or the little things in your life so that you can be ready for God to give you more. And maybe that's the message for you today, to stay in there, to stay consistent, to be faithful with those things. So when the moment comes that God is calling you to something else, you know it's from him. You know it's God who's giving you more because of your faithfulness. Maybe for you, there's a sin holding you back. And the Holy Spirit is leading you right now to burn that plow, to to make a bigger decision than you've ever made before, to confess that thing or to get something out of your life or to get a relationship with a stronger barrier or leave it all behind so that you can honor God more fully. Maybe for you, God has set something in your heart that he's called you to, but you have yet to make a move and you don't have to fully understand, to obey immediately. And you need to remember that those God uses the most are those who hold on to the least. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would build faith in this church, God, corporately and individually, that we would recognize it is impossible to please you without faith. And we want to follow you and do what you are leading us to do. 
I wonder how many of you listening would say, I don't want anything to hold me back. I want faith to obey God even when it doesn't make sense. I will trust him. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would do a work in us, that through the hearing of your word, you would build our faith. God, that we would not just believe in what we can do, but we would believe in who you are, that when you call, we will obey. Even if it's just one word, God, I pray for those who've made a decision to move, that you would give them faith uh, to endure in that decision. Maybe you're listening right now and, and you're at a, at a point where you say, I'm not even a fully devoted follower of Jesus. And if I asked you why you weren't, you, you maybe have a number of different reasons. But I want to say very, very clearly that there is a God. He does love you. And if you're feeling drawn toward him today, there's going to be a million reasons why you don't take the step of faith. But there is one reason you should, and that's because God loved you so much. He sent his son, Jesus, who was without sin, to become sin for us, to die and be raised again, so that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord would be saved. And the moment you call on the name of Jesus, all your sin is forgiven. And maybe you say, but I don't fully understand that, and I've still got questions. But I want to remind you that you don't have to understand it all fully for God to save you, for you to be saved. And at some point, you have to take a step of faith. Scripture says you are saved not by works, but you are saved by grace through faith, where you believe in the perfect work of Jesus and that it was enough. And at that moment of belief, you become a new creation. The old is gone, and the new has come. And I believe that maybe that's why you're listening to this today. Maybe you say, just in the quietness of your own heart and mind, you would say, that's me. I need his grace. I need forgiveness. Pray, Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. Make me brand new. I believe that you lived a perfect life, that you died on the cross, you rose again. God, I want to know you. I want to believe in you. God, I feel you calling me to that. And show me what it means. And if I've got to leave something behind, I will. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.